Hey, Seattle hockey fans, happy Monday. This is Locked on Kraken, your daily dose of all things Seattle Kraken and really international hockey, NHL hockey. We've got it all for you. And we have a jam-packed show. We're going to hear from Justin Schultz and talk about, again, another veteran. We're going to take a look at his contract, a little bit of a look at what he's done um, in his career up to this point, and what we can expect, hopefully, from him this Seattle Kraken season. We're also going to talk a little bit of WNBA. The Seattle Storm get a big road win against the loss Vegas, Aces, all that and more coming up on Locked on Kraken. You are Locked on Kraken. Your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Hey, hey, what do you say, Seattle hockey fans? Erica Lindsay Ayala, your host of Locked on Kraken. Happy Monday. Thank you for always making Locked on Kraken your first listen of the day. If you're not already subscribed, hopefully you'll hear enough on this show to join us on a consistent, regular basis. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite audio platform. But let's give you the value. <clears throat> let's start with our what's cracking. So this is news throughout the Seattle Kraken organization. And um, I want to uh, get us started with Justin Schultz. So we're actually, we usually save the interviews a little bit later, but we're going to get into Justin Schultz here. We of course signed Justin over the off season and um, he is from BC, um, British Columbia. Uh, and you'll hear in a minute that he is expecting some of his family that can finally make it to games a little more comfortably to come down. He's going to talk about um, how once he heard Seattle Kraken was coming into the fold that um, he and his family really thought there was an opportunity to eventually play for Seattle. And obviously that came to fruition this season. So let's go over to Cap Friendly. So as we can see here on Cap Friendly, Justin Schultz signed for two years, three mil per year, so a $6 million contract. Um, and he has some NHL experience. Let's go to his stats here. You can... Um, we'll see his career stats. He broke in with Edmonton, has played in Pittsburgh and in Washington. Um, so he has some experience with a few players on the Seattle Kraken squad. He talked about um, Jordan Eberle in particular reaching out, but again, you'll hear that in a moment. On his career, he has 264 points, a lot of those coming from assists. So he's a defenseman that can definitely contribute to the rush and get in um get in the mix offensively. You see he has 57 goals on his career. His best season points wise, uh, you can see came with Pittsburgh 2016, 17, 
he is one of the players that the Seattle Kraken have brought in that has some experience. And I want to take you over to the Seattle Times here where you see that uh, Kate wrote a little bit about this. Um, and similarly to uh, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, we're seeing a, a theme here where Justin Schultz uh, – is a player that has that pedigree, but was not necessarily the go-to player on those championship teams. Um, oops, let's get that out of there. Um, so he has won titles with the Pittsburgh Penguins, won back-to-back -back titles 2016-17. He played in with the Capitals. Um you know, he has experience in Edmonton with Jordan Eberle. He was described, as you can see in this article by Ron Francis, as a dependable right shot defenseman that will help balance out our blue line. And a lot of people, as you'll hear in a moment, also asking about what he can do on the power play. Special teams, not great for the Seattle Kraken. Still think we need some help on the penalty kill, but that's enough from me. Let's hear from Justin himself. Justin Schultz spoke to the media a few weeks ago, earlier in August, and here's what he had to say about coming to Seattle. Hey, Justin, thank you for doing this today, and a, a big welcome to you to Seattle. Kind of a two-parter here. Um, first, what's the meaning of joining a franchise like this? And the guy who signed you and GM, Ron Francis, said the spots you played it on the power play, for instance, behind John Carlson, showed uh, potential of making a big impact. So for you this year, what defines also a season of success? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. Me and my wife um, – you know, when Seattle came to the league, it was kind of one of those spots that we always wanted to to play. Eventually, it's close to home for us. We love the city. And, um, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a great opportunity for me to, you know, come in and earn a role and um, help this team win. we got a lot of good young players, and um, it's exciting uh, being a part of this franchise. Hey, welcome to Seattle, Justin. Uh, I know you were, uh, you've been teammates of a couple of the players currently on the roster, but most notably uh, Everly, Jordan Everly and, and Edmonton. Uh, how close are you guys? And have you talked to them since signing about uh, what to expect when you get here? Yeah, he is probably one of the first uh, guys that, that reached out um, even before it. I think he kind of heard something. Um, but yeah, still obviously talk to him every once in a while. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to get to play with him again. And, and like you said, uh, actually played with a bunch of guys um, that are there now. So it's, um, you know, I feel pretty comfortable coming in. Justin, I noted that you were born in Kelowna. Do you have a rooting section who we can expect to see at Climate Pledge Arena, people from BC who will be coming to see you? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, like I said, my wife and I are pretty excited, but I think our families were even more excited um, you know, we've, we've been pretty far away from home. Um, both our families are, are in Kelowna, so it's been tough for them to, to get out to us these last five, six years. Um, so they're, they're going to definitely be making some trips down to Seattle. 
Hey, Justin, uh, thanks for doing this and welcome to Seattle. So Mike touched on this a little bit earlier. When you were signed, Ron Francis talked about your role on the power play and how in the past you were stuck behind guys like Chris Letang and John Carlson. But when you did have that opportunity, you did really well. How big of a factor in signing here was that opportunity to potentially quarterback a power play unit? And is there anything that you picked up from guys like Latang and Carlson that you've maybe added to your game? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a big factor, um, you know, kind of wanted a bigger role and um, there's definitely an opportunity. Um, Got to go out and earn it. But, um, you know, like you said, I learned a lot from those guys. They're two of the best offensive defensemen, the best quarterbacks of a power play in the league. So it's uh, it was pretty cool to be to be behind them and, and working with them for all those years. And hopefully I can, um, you know, take what I learned and, and bring it to Seattle. So there you heard from Justin again, talking about why he's excited to come to Seattle, what he knows about Seattle, how his family is going to be able to travel to see him play in Seattle, but also was asked about playing a different role and why that made, from a hockey perspective, Seattle a good fit. So we're seeing this and we're hearing this a lot from the Seattle Kraken. But again, let's just head over to Cap Friendly for a moment's time because uh, we've been talking about this a little bit, these bridge contracts. Now, they're not going to necessarily get Seattle in a position where they're going to have to make a bunch of decisions next season, but in the next two years, they have a handful of players, particularly on the defensive side, that they're going to have to figure out. Will Borgen, uh, Carson Soucy, Vince Dunn, um, you know, Schultz, then the next year in 2024-25, Martin Jones I've been talking a lot about. And then on the forward side, you've got Donskoy, Gigi, Donato, uh, Gigi, the only RFA of that group, and then Cole Lind, an RFA, and Carson Coleman and John Hayden are UFAs, uh, just to name a few. So some of these bridge contracts, either if they're players that the Seattle Kraken are expecting big productivity from, at least this season, or if they're players that we're developing, going to have to figure that out. So I am still... I still want more from Seattle, but we do have some time and we do have some cap, cap, cap space Excuse me, um, to play with if in theory in the coming years. Um, but on the defensive side, if we want to shake things up, um, especially, I mean, looking at Larson, he's not a UFA till 25, 26 Alexiak, not until the next year, 26, 27. As I mentioned, Susie is a UFA, uh, 23, 24 after the 23, 24 season. But, um, if we're going to want to make some moves defensively, we might have to do that via trade, uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, coming up next on Locked on Kraken, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's Kraken and some Seattle Kraken adjacent stories, as well as what's happening in the hockey world. And we'll close out with a quick recap of IHF tournament and how you can support the Seattle Storm as they look to advance to the finals in what is Brienne January and Sue Bird's last season all that and more coming up on locked on kraken so we've got a lot coming up on locked on kraken but before we do that we have an important announcement from nhtsa are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned uh what's the worst that could happen you end up driving below the speed limit 
it's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone else on the road and around you. Talk about a buzzkill. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. And so it's an important message. We want to make sure we're keeping everyone in our community and our extended community safe. So we hope you pay heed to that. But as I mentioned, we have some more what's cracking news for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, we just showed you the New York Times article. Check that out in the show notes if you're listening on audio or if you are watching on YouTube, and we thank you either way. Make sure you subscribe because that, and if you're on YouTube in particular, make sure you hit the notification bell because that's how you'll know when we have more hashtag content coming up. All right, so um, we, we heard from Justin Schultz. We know why he's coming here. Uh, we took a look at Cap Friendly, but I want to talk about some other Seattle Kraken adjacent news. And um, I am a big fan of music. I love being able to hear music that's happening, all the all the good things that are that are happening. And our uh, Tegna sponsor or our Tegna partner, King Five, did a great story on DJ Trunks. And as part of Black Rosie Media, I had someone go and take some awesome photos of DJ Trunks. So I'm probably going to have a story on him as well. But Paul Cranford is his given name, known as DJ Trunks. So if you've ever been to Climate Pledge Arena, whether it's for the Seattle Storm, who are playing in the semifinals of the WNBA right now, or, of course, for the Seattle Kraken, then you have heard DJ Trunks. He's also the DJ for the Seahawks. And there was a, I think it was like a some kind of home run derby uh, that happened, of course, with the Mariners. And I know that he DJed there as well. I'm a huge follower, huge fan of DJ Trunks on Twitter. I know he's always giving out um, and giving away tickets to games. So it's a good follow if you're ever looking for some tickets. But um I really appreciated uh, King Five doing this interview. Again, check out the show notes. You can watch the video that comes with it. But essentially, um, new to the area, uh, you know, just really bringing great, wholesome vibes. It's hard to get a crowd pumped, but he makes it seem so seamless. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so if you're, again, checking out Climate Pledge Arena, you're going to want to make sure uh, that you know who DJ Trunks is. I mean, the DJ game has been leveling up, especially in the WNBA. Some of you know that I cover the WNBA. And um, there's some DJs that definitely stand out, even as I'm either at the arenas or if I'm watching the games, you hear the music. And DJ Trunks is one of them. So it's super cool that he was able to break in and christen Climate Pledge Arena with the Seattle Kraken. And he is one of the carryovers, including our very own Piper Shaw, who also got to cover the Seattle Storm and is getting to cover the Seattle Storm because they are, again, still in the WNBA playoffs. But kind of sticking with the theme of Climate Pledge Arena and awesome women in Climate Pledge Arena, 
I don't want you to forget that the rivalry series between the United States and Canada women's ice hockey teams is coming to Climate Pledge Arena in November. I'm very excited about this. I am so hoping that I can make it. I'll be in Toronto for the Hockey Hall of Fame induction, so I'll have to go coast to coast and come to Seattle. So here's hoping, fingers crossed, that we can make it happen but it's exciting hockey both of those teams are playing right now in the IIHF world championships and then the next segment we're going to talk a little bit more about that but let's talk about some uh hockey news you know what's what's going on in the hockey in the hockey uh world so again we're going to talk about world championships for the women but I want to get into this um So the World Cup of Hockey expected to return in 2024. Now, we've talked about this before. This is, um, you know, something that we've seen the NHL participate in. Um, They are not great uh, stewards of the Olympic movement, but this could be an opportunity to really bring international ice hockey back into the fold and maybe even have rights. It makes it a little bit difficult um, when you're not a rights holder, especially with the Olympics. Anyway, that's a little bit of a technicality. But um, the NHL and the NHL Players Association are moving forward with plans for a World Cup of Hockey in 2024, targeting a 17-day window in February to hold the tournament. The last time it was played was in 2016. All games were played in Toronto. There were also there was also a tournament in 96 and 2004. So unlike what we see on the international stage through the IIHF, which of course is very closely linked and is essentially the qualifier for the Olympics. This is not something that happens regularly with any consistency. Um, But uh, here's what Bill Daly had to say. We're moving full steam ahead. And that means we're continuing to have regular meetings. Um, That would have, so it would be eight national teams games played in North America and in Europe. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to work, especially because this would be during the NHL season. Um, We're out in market already moving ahead with plans for February 2024 World Cup. We're still on schedule. We still want to play one pool in Europe, a preliminary round in Europe, and a preliminary pool in North America and move the semifinals and final to a different city in North America, likely. So there you go. The European teams would play in Europe in the prelims, the North American teams somewhere either in Canada or in the United States. Um, and then the final would also be somewhere in North America. So uh, if any NHL players are going to play, especially there's a decent amount of NHL players that are from European nations, that's a lot of travel on them in a 17-day window. So I'm very curious to see how that would work out. The tournament would likely take place across a 15, 15 days in February with a day on the front end and the day on the back end built in for travel purposes. Okay. Okay. But again, like if the final is going to be in North America, which is either the United States or Canada, I'm not really sure how that works. I think longer term, our plan is to have a qualification tournament at another time during the calendar year. Yes, that makes more sense to me. 
given the short time frame that we have between now and February 2024, if we have a qualification stage, I think it's part of the tournament. So obviously, there are still a lot of details here that have to be worked out. Uh, I think generally speaking, I love the idea. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I love I love international hockey. And for those who've been joining me on the playback streams, we have another stream coming up. Um, we're going to watch the Seattle Storm game, but we're also going to be watching the World Championships as the United States and Canada close out the preliminary round tomorrow. But again, more on that in the next segment. But um, I love international hockey. I think it's so great. I think it would be a great opportunity for these teams, or excuse me, for players in the NHL to represent their country and to learn a little bit more about the the the, the breadth of hockey, right? Like how wide spanned it truly is. I'm going to talk uh, soon, soonish, about another tournament, the LATAM Cup. I've talked about it before on my Founding Four podcast, but um, there is a lot of hockey that happens throughout the world, not just in North America, not just in Europe. And so I'm hopeful that on this show and that the hockey community takes seriously the opportunity to, again, expand um, and its storytelling to meet the demand because there's already teams uh, that are playing. So we're going to, we're going to stay tuned. We will keep you abreast, if you will, of everything that's happening there. Before I close out this segment and we get into IHF world championships, congratulations to the women's para team. They, um, they won. There was this tournament, I believe it was in North Dakota, and they won the tournament, took home gold. Now, here's the thing. The para teams for women, although technically the Paralympic sled hockey teams in the Olympics are designed to be co-ed. No federation has ever taken on a woman, but uh, they are supposed to be co-ed teams. So, but in order to build a pipeline, perhaps to the Olympics, a lot of federations, I should say a lot of players have created their own national teams. They're funding it all themselves. And the United States took home gold which is amazing. It's amazing that these athletes are finding ways to live out their passion. It's unfortunate that federations are not uplifting equity. So we'll stay tuned on that. And we're going to have to have Ann Kimmel as our resident sled hockey expert and adaptive hockey expert come in and talk to us a little bit more about that. But coming up next on this episode of Locked on Kraken, I'm going to take you over to the Women's World Championships, IIHF. And as we expect, the North American teams are tearing it up, which means it's going to be so exciting to see them face off tomorrow. And we're going to have an opportunity for you to tune in with me for a live watch party. Let's get it going. That's what's coming up next on Locked on Kraken. All right, all right, all right, party people. Let's get it going for sure. 
I want to take us over to the IIHF World Championships. Um, we have been in full swing. It is a 10-team field. We talked about this last week. Big wins for the United States and Canada um, in the first handful of matches. So let me take you over to the schedule. So we see here that the United States, oh man, we talked about it, but Japan has had a lot of turnover and the United States absolutely crushes them. Um, and then you see Canada got that 4-1 win over Finland. Hungary, Germany, um, and Hungary, uh, Germany in particular, we're going to talk about them in a little bit. Chesnia is another, um, or the Czech Republic, another team. I talked about it last week. Do not sleep on this team. They're in Group B, and they're tearing it up. The way it works, all five teams in Group A immediately advance, and then you have the top three in Group B, so we're going to get into that a little bit. You see that Sweden got that win over Denmark, but then they had to go into an overtime shootout out. They were up three nothing, five minutes, less than five minutes left in the third period. And Germany, three unanswered goals to send it into overtime. They go into a shootout. And that's really where you saw the difference between these two teams. Sweden absolutely lost focus. Germany absolutely determined in the last minutes of that third period. But Sodenberg for Sweden a much better, much more composed goalie in the shootout. That's what we saw in live action. It was neck and neck in the five-minute OT. Really want to keep an eye out on Germany because Chesnia is at the top of Group B, but Germany was putting on a show. Um, all right. Another big win against Japan, a young team. They've had a lot of turnover. They already have, um, you know, they, they have only scored in this Finnish game, but they've given up, I mean, almost 30 goals. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. You can see as we're speaking, as I'm recording, we've got two games. The United States already up on Switzerland, Sweden up on Hungary, but um, Japan really struggling. And I wouldn't be surprised if they relent and drop down and into Group B. I don't know if they'll lose their top tier classification just yet. Well, I guess uh, that would that would mean that they would, but um I definitely can see Japan jumping down, which is unfortunate because they worked so hard to get to the top tier, but they had a lot of turnover and uh, apparently not enough of, as I like to say, a bridge between that former generation and the generation of now. So we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, Chesnia, Czechia, Chesnia uh, is crushing it. And if Japan does falter, I think Sweden... And the Czech Republic are the two teams that I think are going to hop in that spot. But as I said, today is the 29th. So tomorrow we've got a big one. Denver versus Germany. I think that's going to be a good one. We saw in qualifiers for the Beijing Olympics that these two teams, along with Austria, pretty neck and neck. But then we have, it's going to be at... Um, so it's 1 p.m. Central Time, which means that's uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a live watch party, um, and we're going to be watching the United States, Canada in the preliminary rounds. You've heard me talk about playback before. Check the show notes. Anytime I'm talking about playback, that's where we're going to be. So sometimes I can 
publicize the link. Sometimes I can't. That's just like a rights thing or whatever. But either way, Playback is a platform that's absolutely free to you. And what we can do is you'll see a little bubble of me. And if I have a, a co-host or if you want to join the stage and give your hot takes, we can do that as well. There's also a chat function and we get to watch a live game together. So tomorrow I'm going to be watching the United States, Canada. And then on Wednesday, I'm switching back to the WNBA. We've got the Chicago Sky hosting the Connecticut Sun. Connecticut Connecticut is the road warrior. They took game one, a low scoring affair, which we knew was going to benefit them. They take game one over the reigning defending WNBA champions from 2021. And then at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 low or 10, excuse me, Eastern time. It is the Seattle Storm, your very own Seattle Storm. They are on the road against the Las Vegas Aces, the number one seed. Las Vegas Aces fell to Seattle. Seattle came out with a bow, bow, one, two punch early in the game, had a quick start and was able to really bungle the Las Vegas Aces, who is a team that likes to run, but for whatever reason was not great in transition. So on Wednesday, we've got a doubleheader in the WNBA. Tomorrow, we're watching USA-Canada, the final match in the prelims before we go to the knockout rounds of the 2022 IIHF Women's Worlds being hosted by Denmark. That's our show, folks. Um, we are so excited. Uh, we're almost at the end of our off season, but I, as I mentioned, uh, probably last week, I am expecting to be on all five days of this work week this week to close out, uh, August and to lead us into September. So I look forward to catching you tomorrow, whether it's on locked on Kraken or for our playback live watch party and of course um tomorrow i will get you ready for um the seattle storm semifinal game is game two game three is going back to climate pledge arena so either way they're going back to climate pledge arena will it be a clean sweep will vegas get a win you got to watch the games or tune in right here to find out. But now that you've made us your first listen of the day, it's time for you to go listen to Locked on NHL. So I do my best to give you the, the NHL or hockey news, but Locked on NHL will go in-depth to some we on some of the biggest stories coming from the National Hockey League in particular. So I hope you check that out, and hopefully in the future we will also be able to keep you locked on women's hockey on the Locked On Network. That's my time for today. Hold fast, stay true, and as we always say here on Locked On Kraken, let's go Kraken. I am your host, Erica L. Ayala, and I will see you tomorrow.